Welcome to 50 Words for Murder, where we delve into the stories behind the headlines. I'm your host, Justin, and with me today is one of my friends and mutuals, uh, fellow TikToker, Haley Price of Rob and Haley, and of the own, their own podcast, Inhuman, a True Crime Podcast. Her account is devoted to true crime, her podcast. She's done, you said, over 200 episodes? Yeah, over 200 yeah. episodes. And uh, I'll let her tell you a little bit more about herself. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Justin, for having me. I'm a TikToker, podcaster, which feels weird to say, but I post about all types of different things, true crimes, mysteries, things like that. And then my podcast is specifically dedicated to... Well, I guess we do post some mystery and like spooky stuff on our podcast as well. But typically, every week, we cover two different true crime cases. And it varies from missing persons cases to infamous serial killers, and all kinds of things. And I will say, if you enjoy this podcast, you will 1000% enjoy hers. You're going to get a preview of what it's like uh, today. So definitely go give her podcast a follow. Uh, You're on pretty much all the platforms, right? Yep. Anywhere you listen to a podcast, you can find us. Awesome. And it's again, Inhuman, a true crime podcast. And then also give her a follow on TikTok. You're to 1.1 million also, I think. Yep. So yeah, obviously her content is good. So definitely give her a follow too there. It is Rob and Haley. And then the last thing I will say for her, which I'm excited for her, Haley in the next week is due to have a little boy. So by the time you hear this podcast, I'm sure if that baby is not out, she will be trying to... She might might be somebody on her own podcast. (laughs) Yes. um, That that baby will uh, be out by the time you hear this. I'm confident. I'm putting it out into the the world. Yeah, I'm I'm confident too. And, And hopefully you have some time to do videos when that happens. But uh, like of the baby, not of true crime. But (laughs) um, anyways, today we're going to be talking about Natalie Holloway. And the reason that we're talking about this case, because it is an older case, is this month that we're recording this in, June, Jorn Vandersloot, who is the prime suspect in Natalie's disappearance, has been extradited to the United States, to Alabama, to face trial for extortion. And we'll get into why that is here in a little bit. But... You know, this case happened a long time ago, so I know a lot of y'all may not know or may need a refresher. So to do that, Natalie Holloway was an 18-year-old American student from Alabama who went missing May 30th, 2005, during a high school graduation trip to Aruba. She was last seen leaving a nightclub with Jorn Vandersloot, a Dutch student living in Aruba at the time, and two of his friends. Despite an extensive search operation, Natalie's body was never found, and her disappearance remains a mystery even to today. Joran Vandersloot, who we'll talk more about here later, was initially arrested in question, but was then released due to lack of evidence. Anything else that we want to you want to add to that? No, that's pretty much the high level stuff, and I know we'll get into some more of it as we keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So Joran is a very interesting suspect because he is one that has somehow not only never been able to keep his story straight, but has never been in trouble. <laughs> for the murder either, despite the fact that there have been multiple stories, including confessions from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and currently, which I, we should have probably mentioned too, he is actually serving time for, guess what, murder in Peru of a 21-year-old woman that he was convicted of killing. And so to me, it's not a far leap that he could have taken Natalie's life. Yeah. So... Do you want to talk about? Because I don't want to hog the mic, but do you do you want to talk about some of the the timeline on what he did? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Natalie disappeared in 
May 2005. And he was one of the main suspects from the start because they were at a nightclub. They were pictured together at a nightclub together that night. So we know that Natalie was with Jorn Vandersloot along with uh, two of his friends who were... And I am lost their names again. And that's why I didn't say them either because I forgot even though we discussed it. <laughs> so it was two brothers, 21-year-old Deepak and 18-year-old Satish Kalope. And so they were in the nightclub that night with Natalie and seen leaving the nightclub. And initially, Vandersloot was questioned because he was obviously with her that night. And that he initially denied even knowing her name. But then he told a story that said that they went to a beach because she wanted to see sharks and that they were on the beach for a little bit. And then he dropped her off at her hotel. And that story was corroborated at first by Deepak. So that was kind of like what he was going with. And then he kind of changed it. He later said, no, I wasn't with her. And then at some point he said, well, I was with her and she fell. And then she was approached by another man, but I drove away. So he kind of changed his story over and over throughout the years. Yeah. And then, you know, a little bit of timeline of more changes that he's done because that's not, you know, over the years he's continued to... The one thing that he's been consistent on is his inconsistencies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So in 2007, he stated on a hidden camera that Natalie died on the night of her disappearance and that he disposed of her body with a friend. Then in 2008, a Dutch crime reporter released a book in which he claimed that Vandersloot admitted to involvement in Natalie's disappearance, but provided inconsistent details. Then in 2010, Jorn Vandersloot was arrested in Peru and later convicted of the murder of another woman, Stephanie Flores, who we will talk a little bit about here, in his hotel room. And even from that point in time, they've never really been able to officially link him, um, even since he's been in jail. Now, the re he's now currently in the United States, in Alabama, getting ready to face trial for extortion. And when we talked about it earlier, Haley, you explained it so eloquently, so I'll let you talk a little bit about that. But He's been serving time in Peru and the Peruvian government is being very nice to us and letting us borrow said prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. So in March 2010, which was just about two months before he was arrested for the murder of Stephanie Flores. So I don't know if he was planning on committing that murder and that's why he decided to make this confession or if he just decided to do it and then, I don't know, mur decided to murder after. But he contacted Natalie's mother's legal representation and said, hey, I'll tell you where her body is if you pay me $250,000. And they went to the FBI and because this was the biggest lead that they'd had, they agreed and they arranged this transaction. So he was wired $15,000 and then given $10,000 in cash. And he provided information saying that she was buried at this house. And authorities were given this information and they went to investigate where the body was. And they figured out that he was lying because the house that he said she was at hadn't been built at the time of her disappearance. So he's saying she's inside this house. That house didn't exist when she disappeared. So they figured out this was not true pretty quickly. And in June 2010, he was charged in the United States, in Alabama, for extortion and wire fraud. Because not only had he extorted them, but he had actually received this money. So he was charged with that. And he was indicted at the end of June. 
but that was then after he murdered Stephanie Flores, which he was in jail in Peru for. And so to give a little bit of timeline on some of this stuff too with the confessions and then something else I think is worth mentioning. As I had mentioned earlier, in 2007, there was a secretly recorded conversation. And then in 2010, he did do the interview and then he recanted his 2007 confession. And he's continued since then, as we said, giving varying, varying statements to the media and individuals involved in the case and consistently providing inconsistent details and changing his version of events. The other thing that's worth adding, we won't spend too much time on this, but over the years, there have been a lot of theories. As with any unsolved case happens, there's there's always theories floating around there. They've emerged surrounding her disappearance, including kidnapping, human trafficking, accidental death, and then the involvement of multiple individuals. But none of that has has panned out, to be true. And I honestly, like, she could have died accidentally at Joran Vandersloot's hands, or just she could have slipped and fell and died, but then he clearly covered it up. And because her body has never been found, it's very evident that it wasn't just a freak accident or like an accident of nature or something like that because somebody made an effort to cover it up. And you know, the thing is, I'm not one to typically judge the way people handle high stress or traumatic situations, but I've fortunately not been in a situation like this. But I think that if somebody died and it was completely accidental... I would have no problem alerting the authorities because, you know, yeah, you might get a manslaughter charge, but now, you, I mean, and I guess in his defense, he has gotten away with her murder at least for almost 20 years, right? Yeah, almost 20 years. 20 years. So I can't do math. So I guess, I guess it's worked out in his favor, but the likelihood of you actually getting in trouble if it was truly an accident, I guess I'm saying that it's not my, I don't think it'd be my first instinct to be like, oh my God, this person accidentally died while we were doing something. Let me find a place to hide her body and then figure out where to hide her body in such a way that there is no evidence left. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I think that points to either it not being an accident and it being intentional or him being having other involvement in other crime before and he didn't want to get caught for anything. So he, instead of contacting police, he covered it up. But I don't really think it was an accident, especially because he was later convicted of murdering another young woman, there's just no way that he, this was just an accident and he didn't intentionally do something. If he is, allegedly, don't sue me. You know, we don't know for sure that he... Everything uh, here is alleged. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, because we brought her up, let's talk about it because I think even though this is about Natalie Holloway, it is, it is still true crime and I, it's relevant to the case. But Stephanie Flores uh, is who he murdered in May of 2010 in Lima, Peru. So Stephanie was a 21-year-old business student and daughter of a prominent Peruvian businessman and former presidential candidate, actually, of of Peru, Ricardo Flores. She was found dead in a hotel room registered under the name of Joran Vandersloot. And he actually confessed to killing Stephanie. He said that he lost his temper because she used his laptop without permission. And apparently, he said that she found information linking him to Natalie Holloway. But we don't know what that information might have been or if that's even true, but he did confess to killing her. So on top of her being found in his hotel room, that was a pretty strong case against him. You know, the thing that's kind of, I mean, again, there's no consistency with, with Jordan Vandersloot, but, you know, earlier, and we didn't talk about this, but he was basically at some point trying to use the fact that he was involved in Natalie's disappearance and murder as kind of a flex trying to impress somebody. There, There's a story of him and doing that. And... I don't think that murder is the flex he probably thinks it is. But then at the same time, 
if he's over here at one point bragging about it, which he claims that he was, then why would he get so angry about her finding information about it on his laptop? You would think that he was proud. I mean, he's, it seems like he was proud of it, is what right. I'm saying. But maybe he was proud of it because he believed nobody would ever find actual evidence linking him. But maybe there was something that he was hiding on his laptop that actually linked him to it. And because, you know, if you just say something, nobody can prove that that's true. If there's yeah. no real evidence. Yeah. So basically, when they investigated, aside from the confession, which they got, they were seen together at a casino before the hotel room, him and Stephanie. And again, she was apparently killed over the laptop. I, you know, and I know you don't, you don't subscribe to conspiracy theories and I don't, I will allude to them, but it almost makes you kind of wonder if the laptop was an excuse and maybe he had already planned, you know, maybe this was a planned thing, a high profile individual. Oh and, yeah, it definitely could have been. You know, I guess we'll never really know unless he, he ever confesses, which, you know, he won't. Yeah. And the reason that he was in Peru, Vance that was in Peru, is he was participating in a poker tournament because, of course, he was. Yeah. <laughs> According to Peruvian authorities, Joran Vandersloot beat Flores, strangled her, and then left her body in the hotel room. And as Haley has said, the motive that they believe is that it was related to the contents of his laptop and potential extortion or leverage he could gain from Flores due to her knowledge of Natalie's case. So there is that link there as well. Right. Uh, and then after he after he did this in Peru, he went. I don't know if you would call it if he fled. Would you say that he fled to Chile or he just went to Chile, whichever way I guess you want to put it. I mean, I think you can kind of say he was fleeing because he clearly was trying to get away. Yeah, I think so. But he well, he went to Chile a few days after the murder, and then was extradited back to Peru to face charges. And in 2012, he pled guilty to the murder of Stephanie Flores and was sentenced to 28 years in prison. And I mean, it's still 28 years, but he did get a little We Neither Haley or I could remember. So if you guys want to drop it on one of our pages, you can, if you if all know. He did get a little bit of time added for, for something, but it's still at the 28-year mark. Uh, yeah. And during that investigation, too, because this was after he committed the extortion, which obviously they knew he was lying by this point, but he actually admitted to the extortion during the investigation and him being interviewed about Stephanie's death. And he said, I want to get back at Natalie's family because her parents have been making my life miserable. You know, just the audacity in that statement. I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to laugh here, but it's just, you got to wonder if the guy's a sociopath. I mean, right? I, I mean, he's not diagnosed and we can't diagnose people on a podcast. But even when he was entering his plea here in Alabama a couple weeks ago, he was smiling about it. Mm-hmm. He thinks that this is fun. To him, it's all a game. Yeah, because he thinks he's not going to get in more trouble. It's insane. So if you want to, because I don't think we talked about it, do you want to go into and give them details about how and why he's here in regard to the extortion? Yeah, so he had committed that extortion and had been charged with it. But officially, on June 8th of this year, he was extradited from Peru to the United States in Alabama um, and he was taken into custody and arraigned in federal court on one count of extortion and one count of wire fraud against Natalie's mother. So this was in relation to what he did back in 2010, telling them, I'll sh tell you where the body is for $250,000. And he's finally coming to the U.S. to face that charge. And I think there's a lot of theories of why it took so long 
it could simply be that it just took that long to work with the Peruvian authorities and get everything kind of figured out so that he could come here. You know, like you said, I don't like to go into conspiracy theories, but if I was to speculate, I could possibly think that maybe they have some sort of other evidence related to Natalie's disappearance and death or something that they want to bring up in an interview with him. And so they said, okay, now we'll extradite you here. Because otherwise, I don't think it would have happened until his Peruvian sentence was up. They would have waited until then. So maybe there is something that all of a sudden they want to question him about in hopes of it leading to him slipping up or making a confession or something. Or perhaps they've even, maybe they even have something they're keeping it close to the chest. You know, that's, I guess that's possible too. And I think it's okay to speculate on that because it's something that will be revealed in the coming weeks or months, um, depending on how long he's here. And so there is a definitive timeline on what's going to come out of this because there is going to be a lot of optics on this case for sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And especially because he's pleaded not guilty, this will have to go to a trial unless he changes his plea. Which he won't. No. I don't think he will. And and I also agree with your take on it because to, you know, I don't know what he's facing as far as chart, you know, as far as sentencing goes on extortion and wire fraud charges, but it seems like the cost expense and everything of bringing him over here might not be worth it simply for, for those two things alone. Kind of or they might've just waited until his Peruvian charges were coming to an end. Like, yeah. why put this all together now unless you want to ensure that he will have to come here and serve jail time or something after that? But that could happen way down the line. 28 years is a decent amount of time, and he's only served, what, 10, 11 of it? So he yeah. still has a good amount of time. So yeah, I, I'm i really hopeful. I think when he was first, it was first announced that he was going to be extradited, a lot of people, including myself, when I first heard it, thought that it meant oh, they have something to connect him and he's being extradited for the disappearance and murder of Natalie, which isn't the case yet. But I do think there's there might be more that, like you said, they're keeping close to the chest, which is totally understandable. And hopefully it will lead to something. I don't know if you were like me. So when, again, I was, I was in college when, when this happened and, and my wife, Alyssa was in college when this happened and, and she was obsessed with this case and, and, and really watched every detail of it. And, you know, back then it was different. You had internet, but you didn't have it the way that you have it now. When I saw the headline pop up, like, I'm sure like you, like me, you probably have certain publications that you get notifications of anytime they do anything because, you know, it helps us make content. Yeah. And I have and Google when, alerts for certain cases, like certain names. Right. Cabby Petito being one of those, mm-hmm. for at least for me. Anyways, when Natalie's name came up across, I think it was a BBC. One of mine is BBC, which they do great stuff too, by the way. My like, I literally like my jaw dropped, like literally, not even figuratively speaking. And my wife's like, was like, what? What? I'm like, you're not going to believe what I'm about to share with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's an update in the Natalie Holloway case, and she's like, what? And I'm, so, anyways, it yeah. was. I mean, this like, I can't stress for those of y'all who aren't familiar with this case, what a big deal this case is. Um, it was shocking. And like, I i mean, I was only eight years old when this happened. So I didn't follow any of this eight. when it happened. <laughs> but this has been a case that I followed for a while. My co-host and I covered it on our podcast probably about two years ago, like pretty early on in our podcast, because it's just one of those true crime cases that has always stuck with specifically my co-host. And so she covered it then. And that was 
the first time that I really heard all the details about it. And since then, I have been wanting to know, following it closely, but there have been no updates. So I had the same reaction when I saw the news come up. I texted my co-host, Andrea, immediately. And we were like, Oh my God, I can't believe there's an update. It was kind of like the uh, the Madeline Mechanic. We will save that for a different episode because I know you. I know you have strong feelings on that. Um, <laughs> I wonder too, and this is just thinking. You know, I wonder if maybe the timing of this. I hope to God that it's because they have some additional information and they're going to be able to spring it on him once he's here. If they haven't already, although I can't imagine if they had, it wouldn't have already made some kind of news. But I wonder if I wonder what the statute of the limitations are on wire fraud charges. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, it. That's a good point, too, because it could be something like that, that they didn't want to miss out on that. Yeah. But regardless, he he is in federal prison right now being held in the United States and Alabama. You obviously, you don't want to harbor anything negative or suggest anything negative to fall anybody. But, you know, Alabama prison justice is a thing. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I think that one thing that's important to know, because uh, on my videos, I got this comment a lot, and, and I don't know if you did as well, but... On the videos uh, surrounding him being here, a lot of people were like, well, why are they bringing him to the United States? The prisons in the United States are much better than Peru. They should let him finish out a sentence there. That is the intent. So I just want to clear that up for, for people that he has about, I think it's like 18-ish years, something like that, give or take, left on his sentence. It's 28 years. He's, well, he's 13 in it. So what, right? Maybe 15 years or so left on his sentence? Yeah. Yep. And he will serve out the duration of that in Peru. and. If he gets convicted here in the United States and he is sentenced, given a sentence here, once he completes his sentence in Peru, he would then be flown to the United States at that point in time to complete whatever sentence he has here. And then my guess is after that, probably they would probably ship his ass back to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, probably. And unless they found another charge yeah. for him to be connected to. It buys them a lot more time if he's sitting in an American jail. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, but yeah, it's a case that that's just really mind-boggling. It's really interesting solely for the fact that it has been going on for so long with such inconsistencies. And, you know, hopefully with this, we will we'll maybe start to get answers. Yeah, I, I really think that this could be, could lead to something. And, you know, maybe he ends up just confessing just because he's trying to brag and he says something that they can prove. Like, who knows? So... Tend to like to brag. And I'm sure that there's somebody in prison that would be happy to... Uh, Rat him out for yeah. you know additional privileges, maybe yeah. some additional so, in the yard. <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly. You know, um, I mean, you never know. Is there, so I think that that pretty much is, is the bulk of it up to date. Uh, do you know? So we know that he confessed and not guilty. Do you know off the top of your head? Because I probably should have looked up before we did this when his next trial date is, or have they even set that? I don't believe they've set it yet. I think so. He was arraigned when he got here, basically the week of June eighth, and I don't think they've set a trial date. Other than him, you know, he pleaded not guilty. But from what I could find when I was looking up any recent updates, there haven't been anything in like two weeks. So I think that that's probably still pending because they're probably questioning him. And there's going to be a lot of discovery that has to happen since he is pleading not guilty. I was pretty, I don't know about you, but I was pretty impressed how fast they got him here from the announcement. Yeah, I think that they were... I think they were working a lot behind the scenes before they shared anything publicly. Like they really had it kind of all set out before they announced, hey, this is happening. You're probably right. They they tell us what they think we need to know. And and that's yeah. not usually there's a lot more 
going on behind the scenes. But I think for the most part, that pretty much sums most of it up, unless I forgot anything. No, I just, I really hope that this is the start to getting justice for Natalie, because obviously it's not 100% confirmed that he is the person who took her life, but it's, I think, believed by many that he is. And she deserves justice. Her family deserves answers so they can get some closure. And hopefully this is the start to that. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Well, I really appreciate you being on. Hopefully we can get you back. Um, yeah. A friend of the show and we can we can talk about Madeline McCann because I know, you know, there are certain cases when you talk about things that hold a special place in your heart. And I'm not trying to say it as an endearing way, but it just, it hits you differently than some of the others. And I know for you, one of those is Madeline McCann. I think for everybody, it's because mm-hmm. she was... Makes a little kid, you know, yeah. it's, it's horrific. And there's a lot of horrific circumstances surrounding the prime suspect there as well. So maybe we can get you back for that one at some point. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm super passionate about because like through doing my own research, I've like changed my perspective on it. And I think that it's kind of a good example of how the media can sway things. And it's one that I'm just very passionate about. So yeah, I'd love to to come on and chat about that sometime. Awesome. Well, we'll make that happen. Well, for everybody, just a reminder, go check out Haley's podcast, Inhuman, a true crime podcast. If you are in, if you're listening to this podcast, you will like hers. I, I can tell you, especially if you've gotten <laughs> to this you. point of it. And then follow, give her a follow on TikTok, Robin Haley. I don't, I think I follow you on Insta, but I don't know if you want to drop your Insta. It's probably the same. Yeah, my Instagram is just Robin Haley. I post more, I do post true crime stuff on there, but also some like lifestyle stuff. So if you want to see when my baby's born, It'll be on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you have had some pretty cute pictures on there lately. Um, <laughs> thank, you. thank you. You and Rob had going on. Well, again, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate you taking the time. I know we've been playing this for a while. And uh, this is going to drop July 1st. And hopefully, you will be a mom by then. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Right, bye. Calling all podcast enthusiasts and dedicated followers of 50 Words for Murder. I have a thrilling update that will enhance your experience and bring us closer than ever before. I'm excited to announce that I am now available on Cameo, a platform that allows you to book personalized shoutouts and messages from your favorite personalities, including yours truly. Imagine receiving a heartfelt birthday greeting, a personalized pep talk to uplift your spirits, or a surprise message from someone dear to you, all delivered straight from me. With Cameo, the possibilities are endless, and I'm here to make your moments truly extraordinary. So, dear listeners, if you've been enjoying our podcast journey together, get ready for an even deeper connection. Simply head over to Cameo, search for my name, and let's embark on a new chapter filled with personalized experiences and heartfelt connections. Whether it's a milestone celebration, a boost of motivation, or simply a way to brighten someone's day, I'm here to make it all happen. To all of you who have been part of our podcast community, I want to express my heartfelt gratitude. Your support and enthusiasm have been the driving force behind our success, and I couldn't be more grateful. It's because of you that I'm able to take this exciting leap into Cameo, and I can't wait to connect with each and every one of you. So let's make our connection even stronger. Find me on Cameo, book your personalized message, and let's create moments that will be cherished forever. Thank you for being a part of this incredible journey, and get ready for an exciting new chapter as we venture into the world of personalized experiences on Cameo. Stay tuned, stay engaged, and let's make that magic happen together. And if you don't follow already, make sure to follow this podcast. Thank you.